Amen. Now, now one more thing I just got to say, and I'm not preaching yet. One more, one more thing I w- I've got to say is this, just to remind you, I'm, I'm really pumped about our 25th anniversary next Sunday. Um, it's a weird feeling though, because it's like, I still feel like, you know, the new kid on the block and we're still getting things going here because we're constantly innovating and we're always looking to see what could we do better. Uh, and so, and, and then to think 25 years this is. So it is gonna be a great day. I just wanna give a shout out to those who might be watching online and say if you live within reasonable traveling distance, we'd love to have you with us next Sunday. And uh, all of you that are in the house, I hope you'll make a point of being with us next Sunday morning. Come enjoy a really good breakfast. And um, one thing I wanna emphasize, we did mail a letter out to tell everyone, Here's what we're going to do next Sunday. We are, you know, every Sunday our giving is a part of our worship. Um, The giving of everyone who's a part of Genesis is what enables our church to function. But next Sunday on our 25th anniversary, we are going to receive an offering, but then we're going to give it all away. And uh, not just randomly, what we want to do next Sunday is there are two significant areas of ministry. One is this, when our missions team goes to the DR in November, they are going to be going to a small church, a village church that I visited a few weeks ago uh, that really is just a dilapidated, converted house. And they are gonna build a brand new church building for them while they're down there. So the first part of next week's offering will, will pay the cost for all the materials for that construction project. The second part of our offering, we are going to use to continue our local outreaches through Grace Care and to enable all we do in our community around us here to continue to happen. So what I'm asking you to do next week, we estimate if we wanted to cover those costs, we're looking to raise about $25,000 next Sunday, which is a lot more than our usual weekly offering. So I am unashamedly, because it's not for me, asking you, will you give prayerful, careful thought next week to going above and beyond and as a thanksgiving offering to God for his goodness for establishing this church family we're part of, will you give generously next Sunday so that we can bless others, which has been our goal from day one? Because it's not about us, it's what we can do to impact others. So next Sunday, our whole offering we will be receiving. Uh, Let me just uh, mention this. If you normally give online and that's more convenient, please feel free to give online. And uh, what we're gonna do in-house to make sure most, as many people as possible get the opportunity to participate is for one Sunday only, we're gonna go back to old school passing offering buckets. We can see if we remember how to do that, but uh, we'll do that. So um, just want everybody who, who, who wants to participate to have the opportunity to do that. And I look forward to seeing what God's gonna do as we do our best next week. Okay, now I'm gonna start preaching. I, uh, hey, I guess every parent has asked their child, what did you learn at school today, right? What did you learn at school today? I, I thought I'd help you in case In the unlikely event, somebody was to ask you this afternoon, what did you learn at church today? I I thought I'd give you a few things that I I guarantee most of you will not know. Like 
Did you know that a shrimp's heart is in its head? See, you didn't know that, did you? See, did you know that the human brain is mainly made up of fat? That explains a lot. All right. Did you know that the Eiffel Tower can grow up to six inches taller in the heat of summer? Did you know that the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland? It's a great country, but there's weird things happen there. Did you know that competitive art used to be an Olympic sport? How about that? Yeah, 1912 to 1948, the International Olympic Committee, they, they, they gave medals for music, painting, sculpture, and architecture. See, you didn't know all that, did you? I read that the human brain is loaded daily with 34 gigabytes. I've got no idea what that means, but I'm just saying it, all right? With 34 gigabytes of information, which is enough to overload an average laptop in less than a week. So much information comes our way on a daily basis. There's a story in the ninth chapter of John's Gospel. I, I, I love this story. Jesus and his disciples come and they, they meet a man who's been blind since birth. And his, his disciples, who really still hadn't got things right, said to Jesus, so whose sin made this man blind, his own or his parents? And Jesus said, he's not blind to punish anybody. He's blind so that you're going to see the glory of God today. And Jesus heals him. And when Jesus heals him, the religious leaders get really upset. And the religious leaders first get upset because it's the Sabbath day and he shouldn't have healed somebody on the Sabbath day. Yet religion can get weird. And so they haul this, guy, uh, this guy's parents in front of him and the guy with him and they said, is this your son? Yeah. Was he really born blind? Yes, he was. Oh. And then they chat amongst themselves and they call the guy back in. And they say, are you telling us that Jesus healed you from your blindness because Jesus is a sinner? John 9, 25, love this verse. John 9, 25, he answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. I don't understand the ins and outs, but I know this. Once I was blind, but now I see. And the truth is this, for many of us here today, you know, there are some things we, you, you know, we, we, we wouldn't be able to argue our way through if people wanted to be really difficult and obnoxious about the Bible or about faith. But it all comes down to this. There's one thing that we do know. I know that once I was blind, but now I see. I know that. I know that. There's, in the first epistle of John, towards the end of the New Testament, the, the, John, the aging apostle, was writing to some young believers and encouraging them. And here's what he says towards the end of chapter five of his first epistle. He says, my purpose in writing is simply that you who believe in God's Son will know beyond a shadow of doubt 
that you have eternal life. The reality and not the illusion. John says, I'm writing this letter because I want you to know beyond a shadow of doubt that you have eternal life. There is one thing that you need to know beyond a shadow of doubt. For all the knowledge there is in the universe, that when, it, when everything else is, is, is out of the way, there's one thing that really matters. You need to know that you have eternal life. John says that's the purpose of this letter. And actually, that's the purpose of this whole book. So that we will know that we have eternal life. Now, you may be sitting here today and you say, well, you know what? I, I certainly hope I do. And uh, there's a quote that's, that's kind of attributed to a number of people. James Cameron, the movie director, even Rudy Giuliani. Coach Vince, Lom Vince Lombardi is the one who's it's most frequently attributed to. You all know it well. Hope is not a strategy. I hope I've got eternal life. No, 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 no. That does not cut it. Hope is not a strategy. We're talking about something way, way too important to say, well, I hope so. Do you think you're going to go to heaven? Well, yeah, I think I will. I think I will. I hope I will. I've been good. Eh. <laughs> Wrong answer. Wrong answer. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. Heaven isn't about giving out awards for goodness. Hope's a word that's frequently used in the Bible, but it's used in a completely different context. It's not talking about something you're wishing for and may not happen. It's talking about something you're absolutely certain of. That's why in Titus 2, it speaks about, we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's, that hope is something that's definitely going to happen. So when the Bible speaks about hope, it's speaking about something that's definite. So it's not good enough to say, I hope I've got eternal life. This whole book was written so that you might know that you have eternal life. So my question to you sitting here today is this, do you know that you have eternal life? In, in a few minutes, we are gonna share with, with, with several people who are gonna be baptized. And they are recognizing that they have trusted Christ as their Savior and received the gift of eternal life. The most important thing that any preacher does is reminds people that Christ came into this earth so that they could find God's salvation and receive the gift of eternal life. These things were written so that you might know. Now, it's interesting that, that, that John, um, in that epistle, John, John says, I'm writing this to those who believe. I'm writing this to those who believe so that you can know beyond a shadow of doubt that you have eternal life. I'm writing to those who believe. And sometimes as believers, you, you can live in a place where you've got some doubts or you, or you have self-doubt. You know, I, I hope things are all right. Are they all right? And God says, I want you to know. Because until you know that you've got eternal life 
actually, you're, you're not going to be solid in your faith. You're not going to be relaxed in your relationship with Jesus. And you're not going to be able to, 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 to fulfill God's purposes for your life to the full. The foundation is knowing that you have eternal life. So how can you know that you have eternal life? I'm glad you asked that because I'm going to answer that for you now. How can you know that you have eternal life? There are two ways. Number one, I know because of God's Word. I know because of God's Word. 1 John 5, 12 says this, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. How do I know? Because of what the Bible says. I trust God's Word. The question is not, do you pray enough? Are you kind enough? Are you in church enough? It comes down to one simple thing, and no other condition is applied. Just this one. Those who have received Christ as their Savior have life. Whoever has the Son has life. So how do I know I have eternal life? I know it because it says it here. And you know what? We need to recognize that what this book says is far more accurate than what some of our thoughts, doubts, fears, and assumptions might be. We come back to what is our primary source, the rock that we build our lives on, and the rock we build our lives on that never changes, never moves, is the Word of God. When the missionary pioneer, uh, David Livingstone, was nearing the end of his journey, he was talking to some students in Scotland, and he said this to them. He said, shall I tell you what supported me through all those years of exile among a people whose language I could not understand and whose attitude towards me was uncertain and often hostile? It was this statement of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It is the word of a gentleman of the most strict and sacred honor, so there's an end to it. Livingston said, I took God's promise, it's his word, and there's an end to it. The first way you know that you have eternal life is because the Bible says, if you've received Christ as your Savior, then you have eternal life, okay? Second reason, the second way we know we have eternal life is I know because of the Holy Spirit's witness. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says this, His Spirit speaks to us deep in our hearts and tells us we really are God's children. I know because God's Word tells me I know because God's Holy Spirit whispers within me from time to time that I really am a child of God. John and Charles Wesley were radical preachers back in the uh, 1800s or 1700s rather in, in England and farther afield. Their father was a very godly man, a minister, Samuel Wesley. And when he was dying, he turned to his son John and said this, 
He said, the inward witness, son, the inward witness, this is the proof, the strongest proof of Christianity. How do I know that I have eternal life? Because there are moments when I sense God's Spirit just reassuring me, speaking to me in some way or other. I really am a child of God, reminding me that I do belong to the Lord. It might be a moment when I'm standing on a beach and looking at God's creation. It might be when I'm standing in service here Sunday morning and we're worshiping God together with a song that reminds us of who we are to Him. But in a multitude of different ways, the Holy Spirit reminds us. My salvation is not depending on my emotions. Dear Lord, on a Sunday morning like today, when you wake up and it's dark and windy and driving rain, I did not feel particularly blessed and I felt borderline saved. <laughs> right? You can't trust your emotions. It's not about how we're feeling in any moment. It's not about what I think. It's about what God says. And thank God there are those precious moments when I sense the nearness of God to me and it's almost like the embrace of the Almighty that reminds me that I belong to Him. God wants us to know that we have eternal life. All right, let me wrap up now because I've, that was exactly 15 minutes and the sermon is finished, but I'm going to add this. Here's the thing, in all seriousness, I want you to know, you've got to know, you've got to know that you have eternal life. And if you do not know that today, I want to invite you to take a moment as we just come to pray and take a moment and ask Christ to come into your heart to be your Savior, to forgive your sin, and to give you the gift of eternal life. I want everybody who goes out of that door today to be able to say, I know. I know. I'm not going to stand there and take roll call, but I'd love everybody just to be able to go out of this place today saying, thank God I know. I know I've got eternal life. Let's pray together. God wants us to be His so much that He made it pretty simple. If you have the Son, receive Christ as your Savior. You have life. Nothing to do with what we earn, nothing to do with what we deserve. The gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. And if you do not know that you have eternal life, I want to invite you to pray a prayer just like this, just now. You want, might want to pray it along with me. You don't have to say it out loud just from your heart to God. Dear Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to know that I have eternal life. And today, Lord, I recognize you died for me, that you paid the price so that I could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. 
Lord, I give myself to you. And I gladly and gratefully and humbly receive from you the gift of eternal life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen.